Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas change the world. 20 years ago, when we started the great conversation, what I wanted to bring to the table were not just leaders who had discovered best practices that helped them with their operational execution of their programs, but also innovators. And there was a third group. They were hard to find because they had to have not only a background in technology, but also in people process and tools, as well as market forces that were changing everything. And I wanted to find the muckcrackers. Uh, what I mean by that is the ones who are challenging our mores, who are challenging our predisposition of what is necessary. We're in a sense, uh, commentators or critics, if you will, of the drama that was taking place in our industry. And I found Steve Hunt. And Steve was one of our keynote speakers many years ago. And I, I gotta tell you with all the things that are changing in our society, our, again, our mores, our operations, our businesses, I wanted to see where this man who so many years ago predicted some things in physical security, what he was now thinking about. And uh, so we have Steve Hunt here today. Steve, great having you. Steve is currently the Director of Communities of Excellence, which is a masterclass or mastermind, if you will. What is that? Directors of community, uh, Communities of Excellence, Steve. Hey, Ron. Thank you so much for including me in this pantheon of very interesting speakers. I, uh, I hope I have something interesting to share with your listeners. Communities of Excellence is a mastermind group uh, that I built about five years ago. Uh, and it's a, um, a meeting of minds of executives who, are, who have recognized that it's very tempting to settle their rear ends in an inner tube and float down the lazy river of their careers after they they turn 40, 45 or so and, and just let the rest of their career happen to them. And they recognize how easy that is and want to break out of that, break out of the plateau and continuously reach higher, not just in their performance at work, but in and just making their life uh, richer and better. And that, that was always the intention of it. Um, Ron, you and I have talked about Six Sigma and performance excellence in the past. I'm a big fan of the Baldridge um, performance excellence framework of NIST in our US government. Uh, and so it was kind of like that. It was kind of a mesh of executive coaching and personal performance excellence with operational performance excellence in their in their jobs for the these executives so that's what communities of excellence is uh, it's one of the hats i wear well that lazy river you're talking about as we're floating down it together steve and we look to one sh side of the shore or the other and also what where we're going what what is new? What are the things you're learning today that are going to change us forever? Uh, well, there are 
I'd say there are many sides to that question, Ron. Uh, in technology, I'm really turned on by the potential of blockchain. A lot of people talk about it, and some people think it was exciting news three years ago, but now you know it doesn't amount to much uh, other than some hoopla around cryptocurrency. But I disagree. In the security world, where I've spent much of my career, uh, blockchain translates to a beautiful way of managing identity and tracking transactions. Like, it's the ultimate way of timestamping every aspect of a transaction. And, uh, and now it can be used for identity management, for logging into your bank uh, quick, quicker and, and more seamlessly, and most importantly for privacy. It is a way that you and I now can manage our own privacy and not have to fall prey to the uh, draconian practices of you know, Facebook and some of the big, uh, big vendors out there who want to use our identity attributes, uh, the information about us for their interests and often without our control. Uh, the idea of a blockchain gives us the concept of something that's called self-sovereign identity or a, uh, a personal digital identifier so that like you and I could decide, yes, I want to use my driver's license to prove I'm 21 years old and can buy alcohol, <laughs> but I don't want that same proof to reveal my address. Now, with blockchain, you can pull that off. And, but in real life, I hand over my driver's license, you can see everything about me. You can even see if I'm an organ donor or not. You know, you can see my age and everything. Um, my birth date and address and all that, height, eye color. Maybe I only want to reveal my age, but I want a government proof. That's what we can do now. What I find so fascinating about it, um, and you know my background, I, I didn't necessarily come from the security industry, so I don't think in defensive terms. I'm gonna call it out right now, I think in offensive terms. So when I first discovered blockchain, what I went is to my old workflow, right? If, if everything's about measuring steps in a process and velocity to outcomes, and I can underpin that workflow with assurance, identity assurance, metrics assurance, time stamping, metrics assurance, quality of service, service assurance, and I can bring that kind of assurance to my workflow and those kind of deliverables, I've got something pretty remarkable because I started in the workflow business, you know, 40 years ago. And we tried to automate that. So if I can get that down, then I can apply these other things that are coming on our horizon very quickly are already here. Things like machine learning and AI to start having those accelerated. Those are the things that are the promise to me, not just protecting an identity. That's exciting. So imagine a workflow that's not based on a central authority, like one 
person, one hub um, that through which every process of the workflow has to flow. Um, with blockchain, you can distribute the whole workflow and have pieces of it um, signed off by different entities who don't even know each other, but it's still tracked and measured and um, but without this centralized control, taking out centralized control makes everything faster, easier, smoother, less government, less governance, less uh, opportunity for privacy violations, but also less opportunity for a single source of truth that can be hacked. <laughs> so, uh, it's, yeah, it uh, really distributes not just the 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 work but also the risk i just i just love this don't you i mean it seems like uh society is constantly breaking free causing a little chaos in that breaking free until different rules start coming into a place different authorities come into place and we can go back in history to you know the protestant revolution right? Reformation, where suddenly the Bible was printed on the Gutenberg presses and people could actually read it and not have to go to the priest. And then we end up uh, go, go 3,000 years into the future. And suddenly we have this technology called the internet and I don't have to buy a piece of real estate on Main Street anymore. <laughs> and now we've got blockchain where you're saying, Maybe we've just done what the internet's done with mainstream. Maybe what we've done with for workflow is what we did with mainstream in the internet. Is that what you're saying? I I could make um, I could probably maybe with enough espresso um, make correlations between blockchain and the, the beginnings of the internet. Like when the, the revolution that the internet represented could be the revolution that blockchain represents. Some blockchain lovers would, would say so. Um, and, and I think on a good day, I could make that case. It can be easily overstated though. We can put too much um, hope on a single technologic concept like blockchain. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a concept that can be applied uh, to many different problems, just like the internet, just like the printing press. Um, and is, but is it as big a revolution as the internet and the pr printing press? I think it would take, take a lot of coffee to, to get me there. Although you mentioned another term when you first brought up blockchain, you mentioned cryptocurrency. So if you have a process, think of a financial system, which has central authorities today with workflows associated with touch points that are increasingly getting automated and the need for more security in that automation. And you suddenly fund it through digital capital, which again, doesn't have any central authority, mm -hmm. only identities. And it gets pretty revolutionary from there don't you think steve i i did i just feed you some espresso that yes that's certainly the foundation for a huge 
a great, a strong argument uh, for the transformative effect of blockchain. And it's, but it's, it's two sides to that rhyme. On the one hand, you can use cryptocurrency to, to perform these transactions, but we can also use blockchain to track the actual transaction itself. So the currency becomes the, the, you know, the, the, the financial element of the transaction, but the way that the transaction is presented, recorded, audited, all of the back office paperwork is also on blockchain. So you'll see big banks uh, and trading firms now offering a blockchain-based way of selling the securities and recording the purchase of them and all that bookkeeping is now in blockchain. Why is that valuable? Because it's, as I mentioned at the beginning, the timestamping, the absolute um, invariability of that data after it's recorded. It cannot be edited, it can't be stolen, it can't be changed, and there can't be any dispute about it afterwards. So from a bookkeeping and financial records point of view, blockchain is miraculous. And as a currency, it's it, it, um, as a technology that yields different currencies, it's certainly um, revolutionary for sure, yeah. I hadn't thought of that actually, Steve. Thank you so much for that. The forensics of business, uh, you have it, you have it in, in indelible, right? Um, the fact that it's all recorded, it, it can't be changed or edited. That the forensics of business would be huge, especially in the financial sector. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, it's it brings up, you know, whenever we have great change, Ron, like when cloud computing became the, the term we just started talking about 20 years ago, we got less uncomfortable about it 10 years ago. Um, and now it's de rigueur, it's normal, it's regular way of doing business. Um, it brought with it technologic challenges, but also human challenges. And that's what blockchain in its either in its financial side or its identity side brings also. It means that people change how they interact with technology. And whenever people change how they interact with technology, that creates opportunity and risk. And with opportunity and risk, we have now heads of security or executives who get to navigate that world, both on the technology side and on the people side. So imagine now security executives who will just begin today in 2021, begin integrating the word blockchain into their security conversations to senior management, to the board of directors. And just as we've always seen in the security world, security professionals have either adapted to, adapted to new technology or they've plateaued and not advanced their careers. 
And so those that can adapt and tell the story and get senior management buy-in to the ideas around new technology, the world of possibilities that new technology present, those are the executives who who survive. And it's not because, not survive, they thrive. And it's not because they're more technically savvy, Ron, in my view. In my view, I think they, they thrive because they must have, they must have achieved a level, an executive level of communication, a, a higher level of executive communications in order to pull that off, in order to get that buy-in. And this, in my research, has, I, I've shown over and over, um, a little data point, I, I, I did research with over 400 organizations to find out what made this is a little bit of an aside, but it colors my point. Uh, what makes the most cyber resilient organizations? What are the factors that make the most cyber resilient organizations? And you would think it's a bunch of you know, technology skilled people and a bunch of clever, well-deployed technologies all cobbled together to make great resilience. And that's never the case in the most cyber resilient organizations all around the world. Uh, the ones that can take a licking and keep on ticking are the ones who have leadership, who have people who are excellent communicators and follow a performance excellence framework of one type or another, but also communicate to their teams, to their peers, and to senior management in a way that gets buy-in, gets enrollment in new ideas. And so that's what blockchain also represents. Just like the cloud, just like the internet, it's an opportunity for technology professionals to step up their level of communication so that these technologies have a chance of thriving. So interesting that um, everything you just said is supported uh, by companies like Gallup and others who have studied how executives lead and how they change cultures over time to create innovative cultures. Everything you just said, the power of story, the power of communication. Uh, and so what you're really saying is your study of leadership, this survey, your study of leadership are those who don't necessarily rest on their technical savvy and the terms associated with it, but can tell a story and bring others in their organization into that story of change and innovation. That's exactly it, Ron. These, these organizations understand that it's the human side, it's the relationship between people and process and technology that matters, that relationship matters. And how we, and relationship, as you and I have always known, as all of, our, all of your listeners know, Relationship is built on good communication. You know that with your wife, you know that with your, you know, anyone, spouse, kids, everything, boss. Relationship is based on good communication. So here we are now. This is, I guess, a wake up call to anyone who's 
a techie in their cubicle listening to this thinking, I wish I could just stay in my techie cubicle and not talk to people. I know lots of techies like that. Um, but it's not just for the sake of your own professional development that you want to become an excellent communicator. Uh, it's also for the sake of the technology. If you are passionate about getting some of this technology to solve big problems in the world, then let's upgrade our executive presence and get it done. And that is why this is a great conversation. Steve Hunt, thanks again for touching us in a unique way, showing us a unique way and uh, expressing it in such wonderful terms. Thank you, Ron.